0: From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, a dispatch from the unrest. We go to Atlanta, the hometown of Martin Luther King Jr. It's been a little bit over a week since the death of George Floyd, a black Minneapolis man who died in police custody after a white officer pinned him with his knee on his neck as three other police officers looked on. Floyd was known by his family as a gentle man who moved from Houston to Minnesota, searching for a better life. He worked security at restaurants and clubs, including the Conga Latin Bistro and El Nuevo Rodeo in Minneapolis, until the work dried up because of the stay-at-home orders. Since his death captured on a shocking video and seen by millions, Protests have erupted all over the country and the world, with tens of thousands of protesters taking to the streets to say his name, calling for an end to police brutality against black men and women. One of the cities where residents have taken to the streets en masse is Atlanta. It's a pivotal city for the civil rights movement. Now, for four days in a row, thousands of people continue to take to the streets, calling for a change to a policing system they say is racist and is designed to oppress black people without repercussions. One of our very own producers from Futuro Media, Julieta Martinelli, was raised in Atlanta and has been there on the ground covering some of the protests. So we wanted to check in with Julieta. Julieta, just first of all, ¿cómo estás? How are you doing? How are you feeling?
1: Hola, María. Yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Um, just trying to, um, to remain vigilant and, and be in the streets.
0: So, Julieta, you are from Atlanta. You weren't born there, but you grew up there. And you're, um, you're a beat street reporter. So you've covered other protests. And you were at the protests that started on that first Friday night. So what happened in Atlanta on that first Friday night of protests?
1: Yeah, so Maria, like many other cities, as you mentioned, across the country, people in Atlanta wanted to go to the street and really just say George Floyd's name, um, just to honor him and, and really call attention to to police brutality. What ended up happening was that people were not allowed to march. They were blocked off about a block away from the park, um, right in front of the CNN Center. And I stood there for, I mean, at least three hours uh, with protesters just trying to out out why they wouldn't let them keep walking so you know that raised some tensions people started feeling like they were stuck Um, they were surrounded by police officers officers in riot gear Hummers and Humvees and you know it felt like a very militarized presence and that really started to to raise tensions and you know as you saw it made national news later there was some altercations with police and some vandalism on on some properties
0: there was a curfew that started on the weekend. Um, on Monday, when protesters were out, the police wanted to enforce this curfew, and then it, it got really problematic. So, what what happened when this curfew happened uh, on Monday night?
1: Actually. I was following a group that had been protesting. It was a very peaceful protest. People had actually been allowed to march this time and they made their way, um, you know, sort of a very similar route than what they intended to do on Friday. Completely peaceful, chanting, people from the sidewalks joined. It was a very large group. And at eight o'clock on the dot, they were standing in front of these, um, this line of officers in riot gear and organizers started saying, okay, it's time to go. You know, they had curfews at nine o'clock. So they were trying to get people out of there safely an hour beforehand. And I was actually very surprised the entire group got up and started walking away. What happened was that National guards started setting up roadblocks and there were threats of using gas if people went down those roads. And so protesters, were, started panicking. I mean, they didn't know where to go. So they started getting further and further away from the park, trying to go around it um, as far out as possible. And along the way, you know, people split up. Some people, you know, went down the roads they told them not to go to. They were just getting really desperate to get back to their cars before curfew, um, knowing that they would be arrested if they were in the street after nine. I continued on with a group um, of about four or five people who were parked in the same place that I was. And I was actually really thankful that I was out in the street and and got to see this for myself. Because what happened was when we reached the parking lot where the vehicles were, the National Guard was set up and completely stopped people from being able to cross. So what ensued after that was two and a half hours of walking around the city, talking to police officers who threatened to arrest them, asking where to go, being sent here, being sent there, and not being able to get to their vehicles and so you know the idea of the curfew is to limit the amount of people that are protesting and they're just sort of saying on the news you hear this a lot they're trying to weed out the people that are there to peacefully protest and those that are there to cause damage and vandalism at night but i think what actually happened is this exacerbated tension with the peaceful protesters
0: so You keep on mentioning this tension between law enforcement and the protesters. It seems that you're talking about kind of, you know, a kind of historic thing, this this tension there, but very specifically, it seems to be increasing in Atlanta. And I'm just wondering about your thoughts as a a journalist, as you're watching this.
1: Yeah, Maria, I think... um from the very first day, just the fact that protesters were not allowed to march, they were stuck in front of the CNN Center, people felt unseen. They wanted to take to the streets to to share their frustration and they weren't even allowed to walk. They were kept in front of the CNN Center for hours, corralled in by police officers. And I think this kind of actions by the Atlanta Police Department are um, really making tensions rise in a situation that is already difficult. So um, in the first day, after tear gas was deployed on this crowd that was that was sitting in the street, people started feeling like sitting ducks, you know? So after this big round of tear gas, some started setting fire to police cars and I recorded some of it. Uh, there's um, bullet sounds like rubber bullets or tear gas, kind of like what we were hearing earlier. And There's three cars on fire, people are cheering. So um, going back to the protest on Monday, a protester told me that they had learned from what happened over the weekend that the goal now was to always keep moving to avoid situations where they could be corralled because the officers are just throwing gas at the people.
0: What you're saying, Julieta, is very interesting because a lot of the footage that we're seeing or that we're hearing about is that, you know, that the protesters are instigating in some way, shape or form. And it seems what you're saying is that what you were actually able to witness was the opposite.
1: Yeah, I mean in in no way, you know, are we denying, right, that you know there were in Atlanta the first night there were four police vehicles set on fire. There were some people who threw water bottles at the police officers and there was some vandalism in front of the CNN center. All of that is true. Uh, what I'm saying as someone who was on the ground was that the vast majority of people didn't participate in this. And even the even the actions that did happen, they didn't happen until tear gas was deployed, until batons came out, until people were pushed. So I think it's really important that we look at this objectively and really assess why these actions happened.
0: So, Julieta, you've been watching this as it has been evolving. Where do you think Atlanta goes from here?
1: So this weekend, um, two police officers were fired and others were placed on desk duty. You know, they were seen attacking two young college students on TV. And Atlantis Mayor, who is a black woman, went on television and said that, you know, this is the new norm, that they're not going to drag out these investigations, that there would be, she implied that there would be a stronger hand on cops. And actually on Tuesday, there was an announcement that the six officers that were involved in the arrest of the two students had actually been charged. But it's important to remember that Atlanta is a resilient city. It's, you know, smack dab in the middle of Georgia, a state that has a complicated history of racism. You know, Atlanta has a super complicated um, history with police brutality. We had the famous Red Dogs, that's uh, like a drug and narcotic unit that was known for, you know, issuing no-knock warrants, for breaking into people's homes, for shooting civil rights violations. And so, there is a a lot of complicated uh, history here and yet Atlanta's known as the black Mecca. And so I think it's encouraging to see um, these protests, you know, youth holding each other accountable online, encouraging others to protest and to protest peacefully. You know, there's also pending legislation statewide um, looking to make it easier to charge police officers for use of force. And I think there's a growing awareness of the struggles that black people um, have. And in these crowds were very diverse and I just want to end with a, a moment that I thought was very beautiful. There was a young man with a Black Lives Matter on top of the CNN sign. Another young man with a Mexican flag climbed up there and, you know, for a moment, I I wasn't sure how to feel about it. I, I worried that, you know, this, this was not the moment and the crowd erupted in cheers they were clapping you know these two flags were waving together and as someone who grew up here you know in neighborhoods where you know most of my friends were black and latino i thought it was very encouraging and and a good sign of the future that that there's going to be unity and that people will continue working together for change
0: julieta thank you so much for your reporting and analysis and most of all stay safe thank you maria As of June 2nd, nearly 400 people have been arrested in Atlanta. And like in many other cities across the country, Georgia's governor has deployed thousands of National Guardsmen. The city continues under a strict curfew. This episode was produced by Julieta Martinelli and edited by Sofia Palisacá. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macías, Luis Treyes, Antonia Cerejido, Janice Yamoca, Ginny Montalvo, Alisa Escarce, and Alejandra Salazar, with help from Raúl Perez. Our engineers are Stephanie LeBeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our director of programming and operations is Natalia Fidelholtz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our New York Women's Foundation Ignite Fellow is Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zena Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, find us on all of your social media.
1: Stay safe. Ciao. Latino USA is made possible in part by California Endowment. Building a strong state by improving the health of all Californians. The Windcoat Foundation. And the heising Simons Foundation. Unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. More at hsfoundation.org.
0: Cell phone footage shows police killing unarmed Black people. Protesters take to the streets, rinse, and repeat for a decade. Why? Everyone moves on. A blunt reminder that we've been here before. On Code Switch from NPR.